Welcome to Starting the Conversation, the podcast intended to communicate and celebrate the reality of running a business, putting yourself online and doing your own thing. If we haven't been introduced before, hello, my name's Alice. I'm a digital marketing coach based in the UK and I'm also the host of this podcast. Let me tell you that there's nothing I enjoy more than talking about the often unspoken sides of being an entrepreneur and sitting down in conversation with others who get it. We all know that running a business and being self-employed can sometimes be a pretty lonely and consuming experience. So it's my intention that these episodes bring a bit of encouragement and community to what you're doing. In today's episode, I'll be sitting down with a self-care mentor called Amy to find out what self-care really does look like for us as entrepreneurs. So if you're ready to discover both our experiences of burnout and mental health, find out how to define what self-care looks like for you and get a reminder that you are more important than your never-ending to-do list, then keep on listening. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to episode number 33. Um, I'm so excited to share this week's episode with you. And obviously I'm excited to share every single episode. I wouldn't create something if it didn't excite me and if it wasn't something I wanted to share with you. But today's conversation and today's topic feels particularly apt and relevant for the conversations that I seem to be having in my own life at the moment, particularly the conversations that I seem to be having a lot over on my Instagram. Um, Now that actually came from the fact that at the moment I'm having a self-development focus each week because I've basically realized that in order to better myself in any way, I need to tell Instagram about it so that I keep accountable. So for example, the first week I focused on having a better daily routine and this week as this episode goes out, I'm focusing on halving my screen time on my phone um, which I'm sure we can all admit is something that we might all want to work on but when I was starting the week I kind of went on my stories and shared what I felt was quite a vulnerable thing which for me was how my mental health and kind of my emotional well-being ties in with my phone usage and long story short I basically talked about how for me my phone actually becomes a form of escapism I'm not just on it because you know I want to see great stuff I'm addicted to Instagram or I love watching YouTube videos but actually for me my phone is sometimes something that I use so that I can be away from my own head Sometimes I find myself mindlessly scrolling just because I can't quite face being on my own and not being stimulated. And I really, really thought when I posted that that no one else would get it, that I was a total anomaly, that no one else experienced that. But there were so many incredible conversations I had off the back of those stories, which just reminded me and kind of affirmed me that absolutely everyone or everyone that replied had experienced that same feeling. Um, And there were so many incredible responses and the kind of the one thing that I drew from it is that for every single one of us, we each have this kind of thing which we use as a form of escapism. For some, they were talking about podcasts, for some it was TV or like others for their phones seem to be the most common one. Um, And I think the truth is that for us, particularly kind of my generation, being without constant stimulation is a really foreign concept and that slightly terrifies me. Um, And the reason why that ties in with today's episode is because it's actually something that was touched on quite a lot with Amy, who's this week's guest. And we actually talked quite a lot about, you know, lowering your phone usage and how our phones impact us as business owners and kind of how we can create boundaries around that. So I'm really, really excited to share this episode with you and I'm so glad that it's been scheduled in at this time I'm like well done me of the past for scheduling in because it does feel like a really relevant thing to share this week um now I would ask you when you think about the term self-care maybe you had an instant reaction when you saw it in the title of this podcast episode what did you think because I would most likely immediately associate those two words with a bubble bath or an exotic holiday or you know morning yoga as the sun rises um but since deciding that I wanted this podcast to cover kind of the unspoken side of what we do I knew that self-care and not that fluffy movie scene type self-care that I've just defined but the proper self-care that's actually us caring for ourselves as business owners was something that I really wanted to explore now I actually found Amy who's today's podcast guest who is a self-care mentor over on Instagram which is so classic Um, but as soon as I found her as soon as I saw her bio as soon as we started to have conversations I just knew that she was the perfect match 
for this episode and the perfect person to kind of have this conversation with about this topic because it's literally her job to help people redefine self-care and understand what self-care really looks like to them. So thankfully when I reached out and kind of said, you know, do you want to bring your perspective on this topic? How do you feel about that? She said yes, which was amazing. Um, And to tell you a bit more about Amy, she's a self-care mentor and she's the face behind the business Let's Get Back to You, which launched a couple of months ago. And she does talk a bit more about that story in this episode, which is a really exciting one. Um, And what Amy does is supports people to redefine what self-care means in their terms. So she sees self-care as a really intuitive and compassionate concept, which genuinely aligns with them and their well-being. She doesn't believe in a cookie cutter method, which we kind of have to fit ourselves into. But really what she does as a mentor is help people to understand what it might mean for them and come up with that on their own terms. Um, So in this episode, we discussed our own experiences of burnout, how mental health difficulties have kind of played a role within that. Um, Amy shared some really incredible stuff about actually redefining what self-care looks like for us. She shared some practical tips for redefining that for yourself. Um, We discussed some of the boundaries that we both set with both our time and technology to kind of make sure that we're looking after ourselves while still growing our businesses. So I'd really encourage you. I think it's a total must listen for anyone who knows they could be doing a little bit more to prioritise themselves as a business owner, which I'd be very surprised if anyone doesn't fit into that category. Um, So after you've listened to this episode, be sure to head to alicebenham.co.uk forward slash Amy to get connected to Amy off the back of this episode. But for now, I'm going to let you get into it. Enjoy the conversation. But a good place to start, I guess, is for people that don't already know who you are, mm-hmm. introduce yourself. Obviously, your yeah. name's Amy, but tell us a little bit more. <laughs> so I am a self-care mentor, which when I say it, people usually go completely blank-faced, like, what does that mean? Um, basically, essentially, that means that I support people to redefine self-care on their terms as an intuitive, compassionate concept that is genuinely supportive of their individual well-being rather than... Sort of being constrained by all the shoulds and expectations mm. that we put on self-care as a thing. Gosh, I love that introduction. That like sounds yeah. exactly what we're talking about in Fabulous. today's episode. And one of the reasons I, I mean, we've actually not ever really met before. No. We literally just talked on Instagram and I was like, as soon as I heard what you did, I was like, we need to get on a podcast <laughs> Because self-care and kind of burnout and everything that comes surrounding that isn't talked about. No. And we don't discuss all. it. And I think... We'll talk about this more in the episode, but when I hear self-care mentor, I think that you run a bubble bath for people and mm-hmm. light some candles and put a face mask on them and then say, here, here, there yeah. you go. Whereas obviously from the conversations we have and what we'll say in this episode, self-care is such a bigger concept. Than oh, that. so much more than that. But I think that's very much the sort of conception that people do have of it. And yeah. when I was listening to your episode with the, the fabulous Sapphire of the cover a couple of weeks ago, that's what chimed with me when you guys started talking about that and saying, you know, that's the conception that I have and I don't like the term because it's become just mm. manicures and bubble baths. It feels so. a bit cringe, doesn't it? Being it like, does. Like if someone says I'm having a self-care day, I'm almost a bit like, oh, you loser. Like, yeah. you're weird. What are it's you doing? Very self- it's sort of surface level as well, isn't it? It's mm. like sticking a plaster on something and going, oh, you know, you just go and stick yourself in a bath and you'll be fine. Like yeah. it's not really acknowledging any of the stuff that's underneath that or the complexities of yeah. what we need and why we need it. Yeah. So what actually got you from not... I guess having any interest in self-care to now literally having it as your job and your purpose. I was pushed, I suppose, by my life experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lived with anxiety for pretty much my entire life. I talk about it quite openly. Um, I think it's it was always there, but I'd never really acknowledged it as a mm. thing. It was just, I was an anxious person. That was just me. That was just what yeah. Amy was like. Um, but when I was at university, I studied distance learning and then worked alongside that I had two jobs by the end of my degree um, and was writing my dissertation whilst doing that and moving house Um, and I just completely Mm. hit the wall in terms of overwhelm and burnout I was like full up with anxiety there was no room for anything else I was just on edge constantly having panic attacks all the time Mm. and I pushed through at the time with my university degree and with all the work because I was just so desperate after the sort of five, six years I'd invested Mm. to get to the end. Um, And I did, and that was great. But it sort of closed with a huge crash. Mm. Um, You know, that that moment when you just stop doing and realise that, oh, okay, (laughs) should have stopped a while back, a while back, really. Um, As soon as I put that particular project down 
it just hit me like a wave mm. um and the exhaustion was just yeah unbearable i couldn't like work what had to be stripped right back and i just couldn't focus on anything other than my well-being and rebalancing mm. my my mental health really for a good six months so afterwards it's quite self-aware at that time that it was anxiety or did you any, can you only kind of put a label to that now um I think probably in the final year of university I was sat doing some work at my grandparents house and something had happened with one of my jobs and I'd got an assignment due and I just lost it I was in hysterics floods of tears didn't know what was going on mm. couldn't calm myself down at all my grand said to me you're having a panic attack and I was like oh yeah you're like that yeah that that's what it is that's what's been happening and at that moment I was like actually no this isn't me being an anxious person yeah this is actual anxiety um and I think that in itself gave me a lot of power to mm. reframe things but as you I think we've spoken before when you're in it particularly with anxiety depression mental health difficulties at the moment that you're in that space yeah it's very very difficult to get the separation to be able to make any kind of change that you actually need so um yeah just forged ahead got to the end of university and at that point it was like okay I need to do a serious Mm. recalibration at that point I mean I'd always been very self-aware um at different points within my life for sort of the various difficulties that have come up probably around the anxiety actually that mm. I hadn't labeled at that point I've had counseling and CBT and things like that which yeah. has always been helpful and I actually really sounds really weird but I <laughs> kind of love the process because I love being able to explore and be guided to explore yeah. parts of myself so, that I, I love think self-discovery about. Mm, I mean we absolutely. like talking about ourselves don't we so, oh yeah like, I love you know I've ended up me. in a job where nine, 85-90% of what I do is talking about me so you know <laughs> but I think we are masters of our own experience yeah. so you know I can relate to you through mm. my own personal experience in the same way that you can from with me yeah um but it's only when you have that inside understanding that you can really yeah sort of get a perspective on it and relate to it mm. and I think we have by quite similar stories in terms of burnout and mental health in that the mental health the burnout probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the mental health absolutely and it kind of that's what led to it and it was I think both of us are quite similar in the fact that probably as you experienced and I think definitely for me a lot of friends and family said to me time after time you Mm -hmm. need to stop you need to slow down something's going to go wrong and you know what's weird is it in the back of my head I knew they were right yeah and I think it was a defiance a because I felt like I was in this hamster wheel that would never stop Mm -hmm. but also this weird defiance in me of like no I can't give in, I can't fail, Yes. people are watching, they've told me it's not going to work out and I'm overworking myself, I need to prove them wrong. So completely, Yeah. absolutely. And I think for me it was this panic that no, if I if I drop one ball at this point, the whole thing's going to unravel and I won't be able yeah. to get it back. It's like that thing when you feel really, really emotional um, and someone hugs you and you're like, no, I can't, you can't right now because yeah. if I let it go, it's all going to go and I'll be here for a year. Mm. So it, it is that kind of getting perspective on it I think that when you're in the burnout particularly it's really really difficult um but I think for me that's what's kind of brought me around to this work in that a huge amount of what I experienced Mm. was entirely preventable really had I had that little bit of awareness had I had a voice in my ear going actually you know this is perfectly okay and mm. it's all right to slow down it's okay to stop it's okay to give yourself the the, the night off with pizza or you know and just mm. breathe for a yeah. second um and i mean like you say family and friends they will tell you but it's if not you don't hear it, you don't exactly hear it. and i think our loved ones you kind of think well you're meant to say that because mm. you love me so you know you know like it's the same sort of thing as when you, you buy a new outfit and you say to your other half, oh, do you like it? And it's like, well, you're going to say yes, there's aren't no, you? There's because no you've got answer. no other options. <laughs> I'd be really cross if you said no. So it's the same sort of feeling, mm. I think, in that situation. You you expect that from them. Yeah. And then you don't, by default, believe them necessarily. So I think having an external voice to say, actually, you know, everything you're feeling is valid and Mm. it's all right to slow down it's really important and I think a huge part of my recovering from the burnout was throwing myself into self-development work Mm. I've always been a bit of a spiritual soul um, and as I say I've always loved 
um, self-awareness and self-exploration and kind of going into different aspects of my mindset and various different things to just understand and unpick me I mean I did a psychology degree I'm fascinated yeah. by people it's, it's what I love um, but in that sort of recovery six months I just immersed myself in every book I could find that's when I really discovered podcasts just looking mm. for voices that I recognized and valued who were giving out support and nuggets of wisdom to try and change things up and yeah it it was kind of in that time that I realized that I wanted to do something a little bit different Mm. and offer that support to other people I didn't really know at that point what it was going to look like but I knew that at some point I wanted to do something to change the conversation and support other people yeah and it's almost using your experience not as just a negative thing that happened to you but almost flipping on its head and creating something good out of it which is now the work you do and you know it was really tough and it's not something I think that you ever entirely wipe away I know you were talking about this with Lola on a recent episode Mm. um I didn't think when you have a mental health difficulty it ever entirely goes away it's something that you manage um and you know it's it's a constant thing even now that I have to be aware of myself and what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and how I'm feeling and I think that you you've just got to kind of listen in for those various different cues mm. that come from you but it's not always easy to to hear that initially yeah and I think you can fill in the blank for some people it might not be mental health but it might be something else but there's a whole host of things that can lead us mm. I think, to burning out and to I think really at the core burnout is just us not valuing ourselves yes. at the right level that we should yes in whatever reason that we do that for the whether it's depression anxiety whether it's just a bad relationship in your life or something Mm -hmm. that's just not quite right in your mindset it's something that leads you to a place where what you're doing becomes more important than who you are and how you're treating yourself or it becomes who you are you lose that separation Uh, I've been this yeah I think it's yeah yeah. just agree (laughs) (laughs) yes yes completely yeah and I love that you mentioned earlier about like putting a name to it as in like when you got diagnosed with was anxiety Mm -hmm. that actually freed you up because I think I had the assumption that if I got diagnosed with something I, that would feel like a negative thing but I remember the second the doctor told me it's oh you've got depression anxiety it was almost like a weight lifted off my shoulders because mm. I suddenly felt like oh I've got a name to it it's not just me like I'm exactly. not just crazy it's a thing and therefore if, if it's a thing I can deal with it yeah I think the second it had a name and it wasn't me I understood okay well that's something that I can deal with and actually help rather than just this uncontrollable part absolutely it's that va- it's that thing of validation isn't it it's understanding that you know as you say it's not just me I'm not making it up it's not mm. like I'm just completely unable to cope with life and I'm going to be stuck like this forever because it's me. It is something that's actually a condition um, and something that can be supported and helped and it's not something that you have to struggle with. And I think that's a huge part of the the work I'm doing now in terms of giving validation to people and their Mm. experiences and their feelings. And I think that a lot of the time we don't necessarily meet our own needs in the way that we want to or the way that we need to because we don't feel like we have permission to do so yeah so I I kind of describe myself a lot of the time to people as the permission slip to literally say you know you need you need a night on the sofa you take it you want to go for a run you take it you do what you need to do to feel good I love that you know yeah and whatever that looks like is completely fine yeah so on that topic of kind of redefining self-care obviously that's literally what you have built your business upon. tell me more about that because that was a bit that really fascinated me (laughs) about what you did which was like this is someone who's actively breaking kind of the assumptions we have with self-care and making it a far more positive Mm. association so thank you tell me more about that um I think for me I just noticed over the last probably 18 months to a couple of years there's so much more conversation going on particularly online on Instagram Facebook everywhere about self-care hashtag self-care Sunday is everywhere now and that's great and I love the fact that that conversation has started and we are starting to value you know taking time out looking after ourselves there is more of a discussion around that but as we were talking about earlier I think the definition that's applied to that has become narrower and narrower and narrower. So it has been stripped mm. back just to bubble baths and manicures and all the surface level things that yeah. really don't mean a lot. And actually they're always used as marketing tools now to say, you know, mm. if it, you're not doing self-care right unless you've got a bathroom cupboard full of products or you're on a luxury holiday somewhere. Yeah. And that can make it really, really alienating and people are left sort of thinking, oh, well, I don't have the money or I don't have the time or yeah. I don't, you know, I'm. it's not for me, I can't do it. When actually that's completely and utterly not mm. true. It's and the opposite of what self-care is, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. It's that 
that mindset is something that is used to put you down mm. and feeds that sort of self-doubting mean voice in your mind whereas for me self-care is anything and I think that awareness has only come from sort of doing it myself and mm-hmm. noticing and being mindful about okay well I feel better when I do this and I don't feel so great when I do that and you know just switching it up little by little and actually mm-hmm. the more I talked to people I was finding a lot before I started the business that I was having more and more conversations with people around just well-being in general and different bits and pieces you can do to support well-being because they knew all my friends and family that that's what I was kind of immersing myself in um and I was sort of saying to people well you don't have to do this and you don't have to do that and what about if you tried this and the response was just overwhelmingly like oh yeah I didn't realize that it could be any other way so Mm -hmm. I think for me the the key message that I'm trying to communicate is that actually self-care is not about the external world or about any measure that society can put on you. It's about you and how you feel. And that's the only thing that should actually be mm. taken into consideration. Yeah. Because two-hour gym sessions and hour-long baths and, you know, they're not necessarily right for your life. Yeah. And actually, the idea of going to the gym for two hours makes me want to crawl under a... Yeah, I'm right. ...do they and hide. <laughs> like, no, it's fine. You know, but if that's the mindset that you're going into that relationship with... Mm quite damaging really so I want to be able to offer that space to say actually yeah it's okay and it's all okay there is no for me there is no rule about what is good and what is not it's not about having that value association to it it's not about good or bad right or wrong it's just about how you feel for you as an individual no one else's opinions no one else's Mm. needs in consideration it's just about you yeah and I'm sure you'd agree that self-care comes into its own when it's made unique to you completely so what does it actually look like like for people listening who are thinking okay I know now that self-care isn't this definition that I've always believed it to be but how can I actually define what self-care looks like for me tell me more about what because I guess that's what you do with clients right Mm. it's helping them to understand what their definition of well-being and self-care is yeah and obviously that. that will look different for everyone I think my job really within my sessions is to be the asker of questions because I think when you're not used to cultivating awareness and looking at yourself in the way that we're talking about now it can feel a bit weird Mm. it can feel like well I don't know how to do that and why would I do that and but once you start it Mm. can illuminate so much that doesn't take much to find either so for me initially I think it's about a reconnecting to you and then cultivating a little bit of awareness so finding some space to just take a minute and Mm. check in one of the big things I'm sitting in front of my journal at the moment what one of the big things that I do is journaling Mm. so free writing is one of my favorite things ever that's been hugely transformative for me in terms of how I relate to myself just sitting down and writing Mm -hmm. whatever no agenda no plan no pen to paper no you eventually your brain will sort of but out, it takes a while, it kind of feels a bit weird when you first start off, but I'll just write whatever I'm thinking, whatever I'm feeling, I'll ask myself questions, I do a lot of intuitive writing, which kind of goes same vein, but you're asking questions mm. of yourself, and then not censoring the answers that you get yeah. back, so I might write, what do I need right now, and then just pause and listen and see what comes back, and just have a little bit of a conversation with myself that doesn't feel awkward yeah and doesn't involve me wandering around the house chatting away I mean I do that anyway but you know (laughs) for for someone who's not sure how to connect with themselves in that way it's a nice way to just open up the dialogue Mm. so cultivating awareness and thinking about what is it that I need right now what do I enjoy doing what makes me happy what's stressing me out actually because one of the biggest things that I think people forget is that there's a lot of discussion around more, 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 more. I have oh to gosh, do more yeah. mindfulness. I have to do more exercise. I have to drink more green juice. So I have to shoulds. eat more of this. Yes, exactly. The shoulds is a whole other <laughs> thing. But, you know, there's so many things we, we feel we need to be adding to our lives. But mm. actually, yes, it's great. Add whatever you want to add that makes you feel good. But also think about what's making you feel not so great and maybe take it out. Yeah. Or at it's least like change it up a little bit. simple thing, isn't it? It sounds so simple when you're saying it. But I just know that it's so frequent, especially when you run a business, when your head is in stuff all the time. The thought of actually just asking yourself, is this something that I enjoy and is stressing me out? If I don't enjoy it and it's stressing me out, why not just not do it? Like, it's so simple. You, But you saying it is such a like, light bulb moment. I'm like, oh, <laughs> we are empowered but to like create yeah. our own. It, it is simple, but it's complex. 
because mm. nothing in human existence is straightforward. Yeah. We are walking contradictions. And I think the thing is that we've we've started to look at ourselves as very linear and think that we have to be very straightforward mm. and it's either this or it's that. But actually, it's all shades of grey. Yeah. And, you know, it's very difficult to, when you've got 700 things on your to-do list and you've got kids or a family or you've got puppies to look after or you know whatever there's things demanding your attention and your time constantly actually being able to find the space to stop for a second and have that conversation with yourself is really difficult yeah um and if all of those influences are telling you something completely opposite to what you feel Mm. then you're wrong surely I think that's the way that a lot of people feel is that well I must be wrong because all these experts are telling me this or you know and that person over there said this or this person on Instagram said that and you know eventually you lose Mm. your voice yeah and your internal dialogue just because of the noise yeah I do sometimes wonder I was just thinking about it when you were talking then actually how I think we often feel very uncomfortable when we're truly on our own and Mm. by truly on our own I don't just mean by ourselves because the reality is I spend all day by myself but I spend probably under half an hour a day not listening to something, watching something mm-hmm. with a screen in front of me or stimulated by something. Yes. So even you giving those questions earlier of like asking yourself these questions, to me, I'm like, it, my first reaction to that is, oh, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. And then my kind of follow up thing to that was like, well, I need to make time. It's not that I don't have it, but it's actually taking space away, isn't it, from all that we're almost so overstimulated that it feels yes. foreign to us to just be completely on our own and kind of detached. Completely. And I would like to make the point that obviously I sit here and I talk about it from the point of view of someone that's done a lot of digging and continues to mm. do it. But that's hard even for me. Yeah. You know, I yoga is something that I really enjoy, um, cliche as it is, for <laughs> self-care. But there are some sessions where I'll be like, oh, I can't be here on my mat right now. I'll be fidgeting and so uncomfortable because the stillness yeah. And the quiet is just too overwhelming. Yeah. So I think it is something that particularly at this point where we are in this technology-filled world, we do have to kind of recognise that we are so stimulated and actually if it is uncomfortable, that's okay. Mm. And, and maybe not, A, give ourselves the space, but B, be okay with the fact that it's going to feel weird, at yeah. least to begin with, because it is so contradictory to everything that we do day to day yeah the world is so more 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 i know that times i've sat down to try and do like meditation i've been like five minutes in and be like right i'm bored like (laughs) i've probably got a notification let's go and check it or let's see something else absolutely and i think meditation is something in itself i'm going to be doing a couple of sort of instagram posts and discussions around that in the next few weeks because that's something that i got into as a teenager and then dropped completely because i just couldn't make it work Mm. Uh, and it's only in the last couple of months that I've realized that for me that traditional sort of perspective on meditation when you're sitting down or lying down and zoning out for 20 minutes and you're not going to have a thought in your head that that doesn't work for me and it's not realistic my form of meditation now is going for a walk so you, you mentioned before Alice was sitting in a beautiful setting today in the countryside and I think for me the easiest way for me to kind of settle and get back into myself and reconnected is to go for a walk and just either listen to the countryside um, or stick in some of my favourite chill out music and Mm. just walk and watch the world as if it's a piece of art or a performance yeah because I can lose myself in the colours and in the noise of the wind and the, the you know the different changing landscape and the movement itself but I can't just sit there and zone out for 20 minutes that doesn't feel yeah. good to me, and I think so. I'm so glad that you're like realistic with what it actually looks like because sometimes I think I feel guilty if I go to say do yoga or meditate or do some like free journaling for example I feel guilty because my brain is so wired and so buzzing and so like begging for stimulation that I can't do it mm. so it's so refreshing that you're like it's like that's normal like the world is teaching us to be like that and actually we've got to intentionally step out of that it's not that we're not made for those forms of self-care. It's just that we've got to be intentional about Absolutely. creating space for it. And I think that's the big thing with the mindset that I'm kind of working with. You know, as I said before, anything can be self-care. But mm. the key, I think, is to doing it consciously. So watch Bake Off if you want to watch Bake Off. I'm having a Bake Off moment. Um, <laughs> but, you know, watch Bake Off if you want to watch Bake Off. But be there. So I have a habit of I'll be in the middle of watching TV and I, my phone will just, just creep on over and all of a sudden I'm scrolling through Instagram and I'm yeah. not even looking at the pictures. But I'm also not really watching TV. Yeah. So if you're going to do that, do it. But enjoy it and actually really be with it 
and get the most enjoyment out of it that you can mm. and then go off and do whatever else you want to do. Yeah. Or if you're going to have a pizza night, <laughs> enjoy your pizza mm. and don't feel guilty about it and don't sit there sort of thinking about everything you're going to do tomorrow or how oh, I should have gone to the gym and now I'm having pizza. You know, be in the moment and enjoy mm. it. I think it's that conscious awareness that brings the benefit and then it changes the conversation that you're having in your head. Yeah, it's that idea, isn't it, of just fully engaging in whatever you're doing. And I think I can even relate that to like work because I don't know if you're the same, I'll have 10 tabs open or 10 different pieces of work on the go and I will spend four hours jumping between them all and doing little bits of each because my brain is so just not okay with just getting stuck into one thing. Um, Do you find, do you work kind of with self-employed people generally? Is it a whole mix? I'd be interested to know what you notice about people who are self-employed and how they're kind of perception or treatment of self-care is different um it tends to be a mix but i'm finding the majority of people that are coming into my community on instagram and things are self-employed people and i think that that's probably because it's a totally different conversation when you're self-employed isn't it you know Mm. usually people who are self-employed or at least so far in my experience tend to go off on their own and do the thing they're doing because it's what they want to do yeah they've decided that the thing they were doing before or the route that conventionally we take isn't for them and there's something more that they want to go after so it's difficult from the word go really to get that separation Mm. between work and life because when you're enjoying what you're doing you just do it yeah it's like Um, they say if you do what you love you'll never work a day in your life but i don't believe that because i think if you do what you love you work every day and you never (laughs) stop (laughs) absolutely and i think you know every job no matter how much you love it is mm. going to come with bits that you don't like to do. Yeah. You know, there's always things. I was sitting the other day and doing Instagram posts, and I love Instagram as a platform, but I was sort of planning and prepping stuff, and I was like three hours in and just uh, I can't do this anymore. Um, so various different bits of your day are always going to, you know, start becoming less fun mm. or are going to just flat out be things that you don't like to do, but you have to do because that's part of running a business. Yeah. So... I don't think that it's a bit of a myth to say that you you don't work a day in your life but I think not having that separation of this is the office and this is home and these Mm. are my dedicated work hours can make it more of a challenge Mm. to sort of step away um particularly when it is something that you are enjoying because the lines just get blurry yeah because there's nothing compelling you to stop when there's no like time end and then you leave or mm. your boss tells you to leave and the to-do or... list is never over is it I mean you always more to do I try to be quite strict with myself about how I run my to-do lists because I think boundaries is a whole thing that I could go into and I would quite like to explore actually yeah let's do just it just a little bit um but you know you can write 10 things on your list and do them all but what's to say there's not another list with 300 other things yeah. you know I find that I tick things off and as I tick one thing off I add another thing on so yeah. you you know it's a constant um adding and taking away and a bit of a negotiation so it's it's finding that kind of perspective mm. I think to be able to step back that is a challenge for yeah it's like you have to kind of manage yourself as well as being yes. the employee yeah I think completely. you do sometimes have the like I've even three years into business I think I've only just just about got it like the balance of actually knowing when it's okay to stop. Because I hate the phrase, I used to live by it, I used to love it, the phrase that there's always more to do. Mm. And I used to think that was really empowering because it's <laughs> like, there's always more to do, like I can always do bigger, better. But I realised what that did to me was just create a mindset that I was never really finished. Yes. And that meant that for me taking, like I feel incredibly guilty if I'm at home but not working. Mm. I feel fine if I'm out with friends or I'm out for dinner because I'm doing a thing. Whereas if I'm just at home like watching telly or reading a book, I'm like, I haven't really got an excuse. Like, why? <laughs> but it is, it's, it's almost giving yourself... There's boundaries. So let's talk about yes. boundaries because I freaking love figuring out like how actually as self-employed people, particularly when we work from home, we can create a balance that's healthy for us mm. and that both is best for our business, but also best for kind of our lives. So tell Absolutely. me more about your so, experience of that. I think I've always been a relatively well-boundaried person from my early employment where I was working those two jobs and doing the degree. You have to have fairly clear boundaries to be able mm. to juggle those things. You know, it's, a constant negotiation when you are doing lots of things so you, you have to be clear about where you're giving your time and where you're not prepared equally to give that time so I think very quickly I learned that I had to sort of understand what I was prepared to tolerate and mm. at what point I had to step back from things so I think being newly self-employed because I am only 
we are, I think, eight weeks into this little exciting. venture now. So it's very exciting. It is it is a total experiment, but it's really exciting for me that I can live it and share it mm. um, at the same time. I think it's about recognising not just what you want to get out of your work, but what you want to get out of your life. I think I read a quote not that long ago, and I can't remember who it was by. I'll have to find out because she was magic. But the um, lady who wrote this particular blog said, I always plan my year um, around my work. So I pull up my calendar and I plan out my year and I put all my work stuff in. Mm. And then I fill up the space with my life. And she was like, that feels like it's the wrong way around to Mm. me. I want to fill my life first and then add in my work. Yeah. Because I think really we, we forget... Again, we've kind of been taught that our value is our work, which mm. again, I think is where the separation issues come from. Yeah. But really, that's not true. No. You know, we're not here just to work our entire lives and then pass on and that be the end it's of the conversation. It's existence, yes, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. So I think, you know, it's about working out what you want from your work, but also what you want from your life and how you want that to feel Mm. because until you've got that awareness it's really challenging to kind of find a flow that feels right it can feel like you're constantly compromising somewhere so I think initially it's about cultivating that kind of awareness and again having that conversation with yourself Mm. okay so what does my day what does my best day feel like what am I including in my day that feels really good not just from a work point of view but from a life point of view how much travel do I realistically want to be doing how much Mm. downtime do I want and do I need because as you were saying you feel guilty when you're on downtime but actually for everyone but particularly for people who are managing mental health conditions and various other things Mm. like that downtime's so important yeah you know and actually probably more important to understand that bit Mm. than the work time so I think it's just sort of initially figuring out for you without any kind of interference on sort of the other people in your life and the other things that you're being asked to do what you really want your day-to-day life Mm. to look like and to feel like and then setting your parameters around that so if yeah. you only want to travel x amount in a week or in a month you do that amount of travel and then if someone asks you to do anything else you say i'd love to do that but can we push it to next month yeah or you know and obviously that's not a hard and fast thing mm. things will come in the the dream opportunity hopefully <laughs> will drop into the inbox and it might ask you to compromise on that yeah level. and you know at that point go for it <laughs> never ever hold yourself back from doing something that you really want to do I think again it's for me it comes back to that no rules mentality yeah it's about finding a fit that works for you as it works for you moment to moment yeah but being able to say and feel empowered to say that actually this is my life my business Mm. my work so I set the terms of how I yeah live with it and it's the really. follow-through of those terms isn't it I like that you said at the end like you actually do need to stick to them because yes. it's all well and good us <laughs> being like I've got great boundaries because I do this this and this but we compromise them all the time because then what we do when we compromise is just like I kind of said at the start completely devalue who we are mm. and put the value and priority back into our business absolutely absolutely and I think that's a kind of habit thing I think mm. the more you do it the easier it becomes. It's like a muscle. Yeah. Once you've started setting those terms and saying no to things and then saying yes to the right things and closing the door at the time you want to close the door and putting the phone down when you want to put the phone down, it becomes much easier to do it. When you're kind of standing on the edge of it all thinking, okay, I've got this magical vision of how I want things to be, it can feel a bit overwhelming. Yeah. It's about just being a little bit gentle with yourself and realistic about things and actually okay if you'd said you weren't going to do something but you did not beating yourself up about it but maybe going into that a little bit and saying okay so I said I wasn't going to do that and then I did what was it about Mm. that that led me to say yes when the little inner voice in me that knows was going no 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 and just unpicking it so that next time when that situation comes along again you can be like okay am I doing it because of that thing that happened before or is it something that I'm really on board with? Mm. So it's just, I think these things are learnt through living Um, and that's why I I love this work and sharing this message because nothing that I say really is inaccessible to Mm. anyone. It's not like I'm coming in saying, oh, I have the answers to everything because 
I don't. And I don't even have the answers for the individuals I'm working with. You, as individuals, have the answers. But it's just about empowering people to have the confidence to to say, okay, that's my self-care and those are my boundaries and they're okay just Mm. as they are and they don't need to be justified by anybody else. Yeah, and I think what I'm definitely learning is that self-care can be really practical. I think we do think of it as this like fluffy, wooey thing that we can't really put in a box. Whereas the reality is like good boundaries can be anything from like, for me, I delete Instagram over the weekend. So Saturday, Sunday's no Instagram. So it's things that can be like really, really simple of like, I switch my phone off at 6pm and then I don't go on it. Mm -hmm. Or it can be not about your phone. It can be that, you know, you don't work before 9am. Or for me, I only go into London one day a week because if I do it any more than that, I'm just exhausted. And I think it's sometimes like having these conversations and realising that they can be really practical. Yes. And that's when they work better. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really practical. Not sort of huge pie in the sky ideas. You know, I'm going to change this part of my life completely by next week because that's just not realistic and completely overwhelming. It is about the tiny things that you do day to day because, again, there's another fantastic quote that I can't remember. (laughs) Um, But they say that habits are the things that run your life. Habits mm. are the way that you live your life. So it is those tiny tweaks to the things that you do on a daily basis that are ultimately going to have the biggest yeah. impact on your well-being. So for me, my big thing at the moment is my phone. Um, it's always been a bit of a dodgy area for me mm. um, in terms of the relationship that I have with my phone. I can call it that because it's such a <laughs> such a companion to so my life. Like- Yes. Anima- animated doesn't absolutely it? it's not um, just an object and I think now that I've started the business as well and I have my business Instagram I do feel even more perhaps of a pull to be putting things on my feed and working out what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it and checking everything every five seconds to make sure that nothing's gone wrong and the world hasn't exploded because clearly <laughs> that happens on Instagram um, <laughs> but you know for me it's about putting it in the drawer at night so that mm. I'm not tempted to when I can't sleep for two and a half seconds roll over and God, check I everything do that. I'm like oh I can't sleep I'll just look at my phone and then I'm like I literally just lay down for like about 30 <laughs> like seconds just get the pillow exactly so it's a, for me it's about putting it away and saying okay I will not pick that up again until I have sat in bed in the morning read my book had some breakfast got myself ready for the day and have decided to start my day mm. because one of the biggest things for me, probably over the last six, eight months, has become the mantra, you cannot pour from an empty cup. Mm. And I think that we are very quick to give everything out to the world, even just energetically in terms of the things that we consume. Because yeah. as soon as you're looking at Instagram, it's going to give you some sort of emotional response, whether it's making you happy or making you feel sad or making you compare yourself to other people and feel frustration. You're immediately then giving your energy to an external mm. source. And I think that... It's only when you're adding to yourself and giving yourself that nourishment that really you're in a strong place to mm. to do your best work and to be the best version of yourself that you can be. So yeah. if, like me, you have a habit of rolling over the minute you wake up in the morning and immediately grabbing your phone, you're not even out of bed, but you're mm. giving your energy out to the world and letting it affect you. Mm. Whereas now, one of my favourite habits for a morning, as I say, is to literally leave the phone in the drawer Mm. have my breakfast in bed with a book and enjoy that little luxury that previously I would have thought oh, that's only for a weekend you can't do that on a weekday but actually it's yeah. so nice to have that moment in the morning that feels a bit luxurious mm. and a bit of a treat because then you're starting your day on a good foot yeah and it doesn't have to take more than 10 minutes you know it's it's not a huge change but it makes a big difference to how yeah. I feel I feel like phones would be the like if, if off the back of this episode people should do anything I feel like the most kind of clear thing is like I think everyone could do something to have a better relationship with their phone absolutely did you know that you can um I do this sometimes if I'm having like if I really need to get my head down with work you can turn your screen to go black and white can you yes wow and it's so good you it sounds weird but it immediately makes it less attractive when everything's in black and white it's really boring it's a great no colors to grab you (laughs) no flashing no red notifications and it just makes it really functional yeah so that's that yeah one I'm gonna try I like you that. should yeah. I think yeah and I love that you talked there about like you can't pour for an empty cup because mm. that really is where this definition that you're creating of self-care comes from yes in that actually we are more important than the work that we do yes and the work that we do for others and as valued what our work is whether that's selling a product or giving a service or empowering people with xyz the care that we do for ourselves is a priority over that because we can't do that if we don't already feed ourselves no and that's the thing I think when I was 
coming to the end of my studies as a student that was what I recognized was that actually I couldn't produce my best work and I couldn't Mm do the things I needed to do to be successful which is what I was chasing so desperately was this um you know very again narrow perspective on success I wanted high grades I wanted to come out of my degree feeling like I'd completely nailed it yeah and it's funny you mentioned earlier about how we we kind of get into this mindset if you just chase the next thing yeah I spent five years working on my degree I got to my graduation I was so excited to graduate and I stood on the stage and I felt nothing because it was like, but this is done now. Yeah. I'd had about a month between finishing, actually doing the work, and then going in to graduate. And in that time, mentally, I'd closed that door. And it mm. wasn't a thing anymore. Mm. And I'd built it up. You know, I was surviving on this image of I was going to graduate. And it was going to be the yeah. best moment. It was going to be so liberating. And I got there and I just felt nothing. Yeah. Because I hadn't allowed myself to sort of step back and A, appreciate what I was doing. But also to value the process along the way I was just chasing the end Mm. it didn't have any other meaning behind it yeah and when you're chasing something which is that kind of inanimate I don't think you ever feel like you get it no I think you get a degree and then you think oh well I should get a master's yes or you reach an income goal and then you think okay let's go to the next one exactly I think we so often don't actually stop and just go well done me like I did a thing absolutely I didn't think I could do (laughs) and I should give myself a pat on the back for it yeah absolutely and it is as you're saying that's a huge part of the you cannot pour from an empty cup mentality that I'm working with you you will otherwise just deplete that pool of energy because Mm. you're not restoring it with anything and actually one of the biggest things that restores my energy when I'm feeling really anxious and overwhelmed which is quite often at the moment as a person starting a new business (laughs) unless I take a step back and say okay you know what have I achieved today? Or what have I achieved in the last week? Or what have I done in the last month? It can feel like nothing's happening. Mm. I caught myself the other day saying, oh, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Why is nothing happening? And that's not true. I've got the lovely you sitting opposite me. And I had (laughs) two lovely blog features recently. And, you know, so much is going on for me. Mm. But because I hadn't met a particular goal, it was like, oh, it's all wrong. Nothing's happening. It's only when you step back and kind of look at it and go, well, no, actually I have started a business and I have my beautiful website and I'm doing all those things that you can kind of go okay and that just gives you that little bit of a boost enough to I think Mm. value yourself enough to then take those additional steps to put the things in place that you need yeah so if I feel like we could talk about these oh forever we haven't even even talked about the comparison of Instagram and all that goes (laughs) on there um but I feel like a lot of people even me myself sat here will have listened to this episode and kind of thought okay I love this idea of this new definition of self-care but it is difficult when you've got a thousand things on your to-do list and a never-ending inbox it can be hard to actually do something off the back of those kind of oh yeah yeah epiphany moment I should do something so what would be like one thing you would encourage people to do off the back of listening to this to actually begin I guess discovering what their definition of self-care might look like I think it would be to go back to that point we made earlier about asking the questions Mm. and not being afraid to ask the questions. So grab a notebook or take yourself out for a walk for five minutes where you know you're not going to be disturbed and just have a think about what do I really enjoy? What am I really craving? Because ultimately when we settle down and we kind of drop back into our bodies from all this kind of flying around in our heads that we tend to do, usually there is something going on that gives us an idea of what it is we need. Whether it's, oh, I'm feeling a little bit tired or I've got a bit of pain in my shoulder or my head's going 100 miles an hour and I don't Mm. really know what's going on. There's usually some sort of indication of what your body or your mind is needing in that moment if you're able to tune into it. So just take that little bit of space, drop back in and ask yourself, you know, what, what do I need to do more of that feels good? What am I craving? What do I really need? What's stressing me out at the Mm. moment? What's really causing me to kind of feel uncomfortable could I maybe change that could I switch up the way that I do something or let go of it completely you know I think we feel a lot of the time that we have to be at everyone's beck and call and we have to jump in the car and fly out to a meeting and do this and do that and actually that's not necessarily the most effective way to do things and it's not necessarily the way that's going to safeguard your well-being so you know Mm. switch it up have a Skype conversation rather than going to a meeting if you can or you know just look at the ways that you can take away some of the stresses as well as add some of the good stuff Mm. um and then just make a commitment to yourself to maybe do one thing that feels good so if you like going for runs maybe do one run this week it could be five minutes if you like going for runs i'm very envious (laughs) 
that would not be my definition (laughs) but you know if that's your thing it doesn't have to be a big commitment if you if you love going and sitting in nature take yourself out on your lunch break at work and just have five minutes if if music is your thing and it helps you to really zone out take your headphones to work and sit on your break and listen to something or just like even if that means going sitting in the toilet for five minutes and just yeah. having a little <laughs> dance away to yourself definitely been there you know just allowing yourself the opportunity to do it and perhaps just having a look at your life in a realistic way and seeing where there is space to swap things because I think that's the biggest thing that I've had come back to me is you know like you mentioned earlier I don't have time and yes it is about making time but it's not about forcing it mm. because you know usually there's ample time and ample space within the day where you could do these things it's just about taking a little bit of a step back and using that perspective to say okay is this adding value mm. to the way that I feel um I used to have in my, in my old sort of nine to five job I'd had a couple of regular breaks throughout the day and I used to find that I'd waste 15 20 minutes just scrolling through Instagram and then feel naff afterwards because it hadn't given me anything yeah as soon as I started taking my book instead of my phone and having 20 minutes of reading time again that felt really luxurious and Mm. totally reset my brain so it's about just asking those questions cultivating that awareness and then looking for the tiny things that you can do and Mm. just starting small and if you find that okay that feels really great add it in a little bit more Mm. you know the next day or you know try something else that you might enjoy or um go back right back to the stuff that you used to do when you were a kid and really enjoyed that you've not thought about in 100 years because you're too busy doing all the stuff that you're doing and perhaps just play around with doing that Mm. and I think that's a big thing well probably the biggest thing that I can kind of encourage anyone practically wanting to make changes to do is to just play a little bit Give Mm. yourself permission to take all the rules and the expectations off the table and just say, okay, what can I do to Mm. um, make this look slightly different? Or not even any different. What can I do to feel a bit more comfortable about this? And just open up the dialogue and see what happens. Don't be afraid to try. And if you think, oh, well, I tried that and that was a bit rubbish. Okay, (laughs) fine, we just won't do that again. We'll do something else. So it's it's just about taking that pressure off and being okay with figuring it out and knowing that you're not necessarily going to have the perfect sparkly self-care routine that's going to make you feel amazing all Mm. the time and actually knowing that self-care doesn't do that you Mm. know you're never going to feel 100% sparkly and fresh and the best version of you 24 (laughs) hours a day because that's just not human yeah but we can do a lot to to safeguard that and keep it as good as possible I love that for anyone that I'm sure has listened to this episode then and been like love the sound of this girl <laughs> and maybe want to work with her or just want to fill their Instagram feed with all the kind of conversations that you're creating where can people find you off the back of this episode so I am on Instagram at let's get back to you um, and I've also got my website at www.letsgetbacktoyou.co.uk where you can and you're always kind of like you said you're creating a lot of conversation on Instagram aren't you about the kind of topics that we talked about today because I feel like there's so many other things <laughs> I could ask you about I, I have rambled on for hours I couldn't tell you what we've talked about we've covered so much and it's lovely to be oh, able to open up that conversation well thank you so much for joining me I'm it's really really excited so to put this episode out. <laughs>